It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thursday, March 14th, 2019, you are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from a very cold and very snowy and very windy Mile High City here in Denver, Colorado. You know, if you are tired of the same old sports talk of arguments, callers yelling into their phones, hang out here for a while, you're going to like it a little bit better. We talk sports with a dose of common sense. We like to just laugh at a lot of the sports world whenever we get the chance. Happy Thursday to you, and like I said, we got some serious snow here in the Denver metro area. Temperatures dropping, winds up over 70 miles per hour and about a foot of snow out at least where I'm at. I know a lot of people think of Colorado and they're like, oh, it's Christmas time. You'll be getting some snow. Yeah, that's not really how it works here. We don't really get that much snow around the holidays. We actually don't get all that much snow during the winter months. We get most of our snow in the spring. Spring in Colorado you never know what you're going to get. And yesterday, we got socked with a major storm, shut down the highways, shut down the schools, shut down pretty much everything. But, you know, we dig our way out. That's just how we roll here in Colorado. And we make our way through another week. Like I said, happy Thursday to you. Hey, happy birthday to Grandmama Larry Johnson, who was born on March 14th back in 1969. And, you know, as we are getting ready for March Madness, which starts next week, How can you not remember Larry Johnson and the amazing ride that he took the University of Nevada, Las Vegas on back from like, what was it, 89 to 91? You know, he was only 6'7", but he played like a much bigger guy inside and he had some range and he could run the floor. The Running Rebels won the 1990 NCAA tournament by an average of nearly 19 points a game. Johnson, who was a junior college transfer from Odessa, Texas, was named the Player of the Year in 1991. He has since had his number retired by UNLV. And of course, he did play 10 seasons in the NBA before retiring because he had those back issues. But you know, he did have those grandmama commercials for Converse. And you just would think that someone would bring those out, maybe modernize them. They were actually a little bit better than you might remember. Hey, if you'd like to contact the show, maybe tell us your favorite March Madness player of all time. We would love to hear from you. You can email us, dailydosesports at gmail.com or reach out to us over on Twitter or Facebook. Both of those handles are at dailydosesports. If you've got a comment, a question, or a suggestion, feel free to reach out. We would love to hear from you. Also, go pick up some Daily Dose gear at tpublic.com. We've got Daily Dose t-shirts, Daily Dose hoodies, Daily Dose coffee mugs, a number of Daily Dose items over at tpublic.com. And the best part about it, 
When you order a shirt, a sweatshirt, a hoodie, whatever, you can pick whatever color you want it in. It's always kind of nice if you have a favorite color you like to wear. So make sure you stop by tpublic.com. And remember, March Madness is coming. We have our Daily Dose Bracket Pool. Big Rob sets this up for us every single year. But if you go to ESPN and you click on the Tournament Challenge, just click on the Groups tab and search by group name. Search Daily Dose. You will find us there. Join the Group Challenge. And I'm telling you right now, there is going to be a Daily Dose prize on the line. We'll talk about it a little bit more next week. But you've got to make sure that you join our Marsh Madness Bracket Challenge. It is your chance to prove to us that you know March Madness. Hey, we've got a lot to get to today. As usual, we do have a couple of sports news stories coming out. And then we need to continue our conversation with longtime basketball coach Russ McKinstry. You know, Coach Mack has been working in sports for years. And as a coach that has won over 400 games at the high school level, hey, he's pretty much seen it all. So we like to get his thoughts on a number of things when he does come by. We're going to get back to that conversation. But first, we do have a few things that came out in the world of breaking news. Former Pittsburgh Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell finally did sign that four-year, $52.5 million contract with the New York Jets. The deal includes $35 million guaranteed. It has a maximum value of close to $61 million with all of his incentives. Now remember, Bell shocked the NFL because he sat out this entire past season on the franchise tag because he was unable to agree to a new contract with the Steelers last summer. And then he officially became a free agent when the Steelers opted not to place another franchise tag or transition tag on him for the 2019 season. But you know, he did gain nearly 2,000 yards during the 2017 season, but he didn't want to sign that $14.5 million franchise tag, so he gave up nearly $900,000 per game so that he could preserve his long-term viability because he wanted his big contract, and now he's got it. Bell's average salary with the Jets is going to be, well, actually right around $13.25 million. Yeah, a little bit less than the $14.5 million he would have gotten last year. So he sat out the season to come back and get less per year than what he would have gotten. Now, I understand that he wants the guaranteed money, and that $35 million of guaranteed money is huge to Le'Veon Bell, but make no mistake, he's getting less money per year than what he would have gotten last year. I know, I know, he just didn't want to get hurt. Hey, you spin the wheel and take your chances? I don't know that he got quite as much money as he thought he was going to, though. One move that was a little bit surprising yesterday, and that was that the Kansas City Chiefs decided that they were going to cut often injured safety Eric Berry after nine years with the team. Now, you might remember Eric Berry joined the Chiefs back in 2010, and he had some very, very good seasons. He was, for a while there, one of the NFL's top safeties. As a rookie, he made the Pro Bowl, and he ended up going to the Pro Bowl five different times. He was voted first-team All-Pro three different times. But then he's had a number of injuries, and in 2014, his season was cut short because of a lymphoma diagnosis. He sat out the entire season, but he returned, and the Chiefs welcomed him back with open arms. We had thought that the Chiefs went out and signed Tyron Matthew to team up with Eric Berry. No, it kind of turns out that maybe they went and signed Tyron Matthew to replace Eric Berry. Just proving once again, you are only as good as what you have done for me lately. And apparently, Eric Berry hasn't done enough. Now, what I wonder 
is if they know something health-wise is not quite right. Maybe he's just not physically able to recover like he used to. I don't know. We'll see if any other teams take a chance on him, but I was a little bit surprised that the Chiefs did cut Eric Berry yesterday. One other NFL team to discuss, the Baltimore Ravens have been very busy this offseason. You know, first, they traded away quarterback Joe Flacco. Okay, I mean, I think we all understand that. Then, they released safety Eric Weddle. Then, linebacker C.J. Mosley bailed out, and he went and joined the Jets. Now, it looks like they are going to be signing former Seattle Seahawks safety Earl Thomas to a four-year, $55 million contract. Of course, $32 million bucks of that is going to be guaranteed. They're also going to sign former New Orleans Saints running back Mark Ingram to a three-year, $15 million deal. Now, you might remember Earl Thomas' 2018 season this last year ended on September 30th when he broke his left leg. And then remember, they were taking him off the field on the cart, and he just turned and like flipped off everyone, I guess, in the Seattle organization. I don't know who that was to. He was basically just flipping off everybody. I don't know who he's mad at. I don't know if that was the owner. I don't know if that was other players. I don't know if that was the team. I don't know if that was the fans. But he definitely wanted out of Seattle. Now, I know that Mark Ingram, who the Saints have now replaced with Latavius Murray, and Earl Thomas are probably feeling like, hey, we are fine. We are now joining the Baltimore Ravens. We are actually going to be winners in this whole thing. They are joining a team with a talented young quarterback like Lamar Jackson. Remember, the Baltimore Ravens just went to the playoffs this last year. But I will say this. After watching what the Chargers did to Lamar Jackson in that playoff game, the Chargers may have actually laid out the blueprint for how to completely shut down the Ravens offense. Remember, they came out, took the linebackers out of the game, just played safeties and bottled up Lamar Jackson. He was unable to do much of anything. The Ravens offense managed just over 200 yards all day And most of that was garbage time stuff. I don't know. The Baltimore Ravens might have a tougher go of things this next year. And when you look at what the Cleveland Browns have now done in the offseason, adding Odell Beckham, they have quarterback Baker Mayfield, they have running back Nick Chubb. Hey, their skill positions are looking pretty good. And you would think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be out to prove they can win without Le'Veon Bell. They can win without Antonio Brown. The Ravens might have their work cut out for them. Like I said, I know that Earl Thomas and Mark Ingram are probably feeling pretty good about joining the Ravens now. Hey, the Ravens could have a tough go. Oh, and speaking of that young Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson, yeah, that resident genius apparently took a video of himself yesterday driving down the highway at over 100 miles per hour in his car. Oh, and by the way, his fasten your seatbelt light Yeah, it was on in the video. This fool posted that video on his Instagram yesterday. So Earl Thomas and Mark Ingram, that's whose hands you are putting your career in. Hey, good luck, fellas. You just might need it. One other story coming out. You know, yesterday we discussed briefly that college admission scandal that was apparently taking place at a number of different universities around the country. They are saying that some parents were paying between $15,000 and $75,000 per test to help get their children a better score and entrance to some prestigious universities. In some cases, parents were allegedly taking part in a scheme to bribe college coaches and athletic officials. And of course, while college coaches don't you know, decide who gets accepted into the universities, they can make recommendations on which recruited athletes should maybe you know get some lenient treatment. They say this was all orchestrated by a guy by the name of William Rick Singer, the CEO of a college admissions prep company 
called the key. Singer has now pleaded guilty to a number of charges in this case. And here's what we know so far. The University of Southern California said they have fired their senior athletic director and water polo coach. Both of them were charged in this scheme. Stanford University has fired their head sailing coach. Who even knew you had a head sailing coach? He pleaded guilty on Tuesday to a racketeering conspiracy. Wake Forest University said they have put their head volleyball coach on leave, who is also facing a charge of conspiracy to commit racketeering. The University of Texas said their men's tennis coach has been placed on leave. Georgetown University said they are deeply disappointed to learn that their former tennis coach has been charged in the scheme, but that they haven't coached at the school since 2017. Yale University said they will continue cooperating with investigators after their former women's soccer coach has been charged. This is nuts. UCLA put their men's soccer coach on leave because he faces a charge of conspiracy to commit racketeering. And now we have found out that Felicity Huffman, who played in Desperate Housewives, and Lori Laughlin, who was on Full House, were both parents that were involved in this crazy scheme. This is really bad. And there are still more names coming. There is still more information coming out. And they're even saying they were photoshopping non-athletes into athletic photos so that they could spin. They were somehow prospective athletes. They had like a 5'5 kid. They were trying to spin. Oh, this kid's a basketball player. No, they weren't. Just a horrible story. And more importantly, and the thing that always gets lost in these kind of stories, just a horrible, horrible example for our kids. What in the world are we teaching our kids as parents? as leaders, as teachers, as coaches. This is another horrible story. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not as horrible as either Desperate Housewives or Full House, but I mean, still, this is a terrible story is what I'm saying. Hey, coming back, we need to get back to our conversation with longtime coach Russ McKinstry. Hey, we need to get ready for March Madness. It does begin next week, and we still have a number of things to talk with Coach Mack about. So this week, we have been fortunate enough to be joined by longtime basketball coach Russ McKinstry. You know, we started talking, we discussed the NFL, talked a little bit about our horrible Denver Broncos. We moved to the NBA, and yesterday we actually were discussing how the Los Angeles Lakers season has just completely fallen apart this year. And how much culpability does LeBron James have in that whole scenario? Let's pick that conversation back up with Russ McKinstry right now. Coach, when he said after that game that everyone needs to get more focused and not be worried about the stuff here with the Lakers, you can't be worried about the outside stuff. You have to focus on the game. And I'm sitting there going, are you giving this interview in between your two TV shows? What in the world are you talking about? I am blown away by some of the things that that guy says. Like you said, phenomenal player, great player. Just, I can't put him in that goat conversation for so many reasons. And one of the biggest is that he doesn't make the guys around him better. And he never, ever has coach. I'm going to finish up this NBA talk and I'm going to make it tough for us again, because I don't know what to think about these Denver nuggets. They drive me crazy. Oh my gosh. Uh, Yeah. Where do we start with that? Um, You know, I was, I almost started drinking the Kool-Aid probably a month and a half ago where I thought, wow. There's something pretty special going on here. But uh, that was when we were going through injuries and people were stepping up and we didn't have to worry about um, uh, who was getting playing time, how many touches people were getting, who was getting shots. 
but you know, to me, the bottom line is, is you really watch them. There's, there's some fatal flaws that they have and, yeah. and I'm enjoying the season. And I, I really do enjoy watching them play. Although I would say for about the last four weeks, they've been really bad. Yep. You know, they just haven't been playing well at all, but their, their toughness as far as rebounding, their ability to get loose balls and the fact that they are very undisciplined at the offensive end, very loosey goosey with fundamentals. Yes. Those are three of the things. They don't rebound, they don't get 50-50 balls, and they turn the ball over unforced turnovers where they're just lazy with their approach to the game. Uh, really concerns me. And, and honestly, you know, when Will Barton came back, trying to get him back into the flow has been painful to watch. Then you add Isaiah Thomas after, you know, 18 months out of basketball, Watching him try to get back into, you know, his groove and flow has been painful. And then, honestly, Paul Millsap's just not playing very well. You know, he plays, one, you know, one game pretty well, and then he'll disappear for four or five games. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't play better, and Will Barton and Isaiah Thomas don't learn to, you know, stop being ball stoppers and play a little defense, then I can see us getting beat in the first round. I really can. Yeah, I can too. And the problem I have with Thomas and Barton as bad as they are sometimes offensively stopping the ball, and they are, they, as soon as the ball gets to them, you can forget any kind of movement. You can forget anything else. They're going to look for their own shot, but defensively, they're even worse. They're both so bad defensively. I know you're going to give up a basket at our end, but when we go down, then you're going to take a bad shot on top of that. It just compounds the problem again and again. Mm -hmm. And I really do. I think Will Barton and I think Isaiah Thomas are right now, they're kind of screwing up this whole rotation and what was looking very good and very promising isn't looking so good now. And I think Malone's going to have to find a way to say, hey, we got to pull those minutes back, put them in like a microwave situation. If they're hot, great, go with it for a couple minutes. And if not, get them right back out because they don't bring anything else to the table except for scoring. That's it. Yeah, no, you. I think you've got that pegged exactly the way way it is. And, uh, and, and you know, what's really, what's been really um, disappointing for me to watch is you had, Monty Morris and Malik Beasley playing oh so well, yes. you know, and their minutes went down. They lost confidence. They lost their rhythm and flow and uh, chemistry with other players because everything was thrown out of whack with uh, Barton and, and IT coming in. So, and, and really, they've got a major problem. I mean, because you have you have Malik Beasley, you have Gary Harris, you have Jamal Murray, and you have Will Barton. And basically, they're all four of the same players, you know, with a few different strengths. But they're all the prototypical two, three swing type personnel. And the biggest problem they have is that Malik Beasley is probably the best of the four of them. Yeah, he is. And, and he's not making the money that the other guys are making. So I think Coach Malone is doing the, the PC thing where, well, hey, I'm paying these other guys millions of dollars. we got to give them first looks when he really sh – if I was the coach, I'd be starting Malik Beasley – and I'd be bringing, uh, you know, I'd probably go with Jamal Murray and I'd bring Barton and Harris off the bench. And just like you said, if you're if you're playing well and you're committed to playing defense, I'll play you. But if not, I'm going with Beasley and Jamal Murray. Yeah, for sure. And I hope they figure this out because hey, we didn't have any delusional hopes for the Nuggets. We were like, could they win a playoff series? That would be thrilling yeah. for me. I would just love to see that. And now I'm really, really starting to get worried because I'm looking at the rest of the West and I'm saying, okay, so who are they going to beat? Are they going to beat yeah. San Antonio? Uh, no, they're not going to beat Houston. Utah would be a scrap. The Clippers would be maybe winnable, but it wouldn't be easy. And then the top team, I mean, forget the top teams. Oklahoma City would scare me to death. The Warriors will pound them. 
I'm just looking at the West going, I don't know where they pick up the wins. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, you know, I think um, if they can hang on and hold on to home court, yeah. you know, be a top four seed and get that first round where they're at home, uh, I'm with you. I, I hate the matchup with Utah. I, I think I do too. if they do play Utah, it comes down to game seven, and that's going to be a hell of a battle on game seven. And if they're at home, they might get it. I kind of feel the same way about the Clippers and San Antonio. Clippers might be the best matchup for yeah, us. I think- San Antonio, I think, is about like Utah. We maybe, maybe, but I'm afraid we'll get out coached so bad that we'll we'll lose the seventh game. And then the others, I don't. Th- I think they're no hopers. I, I just I do don't too. see us beating the other teams. I really don't. Well, and the scary thing for me about Utah is how bad Denver is defending the three point shot. Yeah, <laughs> that just buries you when you can't defend the three at all. You've got big, big problems. And every single game, I just see them leaving guys wide open at the three point line. Yeah, they uh, they have a terrible problem when it comes to defensive rotations and anticipating where the next pass is going to go, and 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 it starts, I think, a lot with their ball pressure philosophy. You know, they don't they don't pressure the ball to the point where someone can't just make a free, you know, pass where where it's uh, you know crossing the court cross court pass. It uh, is it isn't lobbed; it's a direct pass, so nobody has time to recover to the three point line on the opposite side and. You know, we could go into a lot of those, uh, you know, detailed basketball philosophical things. But bottom line is they just don't play the type of defense. They don't rebound. They don't scrap. They don't really have that that go-to guy either besides Joker. And I, I'm not sure he's ready to be the go-to guy in a playoff series. You know, where I, I think Donovan Mitchell at Utah is. Yeah. You know, you got Harden at Houston. He is. You know, you got uh, – uh, Rosen at San Antonio. He is. I, I just don't see us having anybody that, when it comes right down to it, can can save a game for us at the offensive end. No, and that's what's scaring me as we get closer to these playoffs. Like you said, they've got to have a top four seed. If you were going to pick your NBA Finals right now, just based on what you're seeing, Golden State, and who would you like on that Eastern side? I would go Golden State with either Toronto or... Um, or Philadelphia, depending on Joel Embiid. Yeah. I think Joel Embiid, if he's healthy, I, I, re- I really like that Philadelphia team. Um, if Jimmy Butler can keep his act together, uh, they just added the other. Tobias Harris. Uh, yeah, from uh, yeah, they just added him. So I, I really like what they're doing if Embiid is healthy. If he's not healthy, then I'm going to go with Toronto, uh, Golden State, and I'm going to go Golden State four games to two. Over yeah. the Raptors. Yeah, I'm probably right And I'll go four right games to two over the 76ers either way. Yeah, they're just so loaded. And they they yep. just score those pun- those points in bunches where you think you're in a game. Hey, we're only down five. And then they go on a 17 to two run. And there, goes your, yeah. there goes your game. Coach, let's shift over to March Madness because it is the most exciting time of year. We have got college hoops getting ready to get the tournament started this next week. Selection Sunday will be on Sunday. But before we get to the good stuff... Coach, this NCAA coaching scandal that we've kind of got going, I'm still wondering where any of this is going because you and I have been talking about this for probably over a year now. And just this last weekend, we saw LSU suspend their head coach, Will Wade. Now, understand this. That is not the FBI's involvement. That is LSU probably trying to get out in front of it and say, hey, look, we suspended him. We're not doing anything shady. But we've heard about Sean Miller. Is anything ever going to come from this? Because we keep waiting, but nothing ever actually shows. We Rick Pitino got fired. I guess we have that. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think, you know, the NCAA is, is very similar to uh, the United States government, where uh, the process, the policies, the procedures, the steps, the hoops that you have to jump, you have to be so detailed and accurate and follow each one so uh, close. So the minutia just eats up time. And so that time just keeps, you know, dragging on and on. Uh, and then at some point, I think people lose interest because the process is so slow that uh, I think people start to make mistakes and then people just say, well, the hell with it. Let's just, let's just move on. You know, yeah. uh, we can't get anything accomplished. It's taking too long, too much money uh, and time. You know, these people, their time is very valuable. And when you start eating up their time, I think people get discouraged and frustrated and, and uh, they move on, you know, we're, we're an instant gratification society. So we need to move on to the next crisis, you know? Right. And so uh, I, I, yeah, I think the one with LSU, Coach Wade, that's that's a big one to me. I, it's kind of a tipping point potentially. Could be. It could be where things break loose now, and all heck's going to break loose, and and major names and head coaches and uh, athletic directors uh, are called on the carpet and exposed, and uh, it could be mass chaos. Coach, you know, who knows? But I, you know, when, when you have that much money involved, it's amazing how many things get hidden under the carpet. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's such a huge, enormous, multi billion operation that money has a way of making things disappear and go away. And it would not surprise me if there are a few sacrificial lambs like the Coach Wade that, um, that disappear and are uh, castigated from the game for what they've done. But the major players stay intact because there's just too much money involved. Well, and I think that's exactly right because not only are we talking about, you know, these coaches that are a lot of times beloved coaches or whatever, we're talking about Marsh Madness, which just this country loves our Marsh Madness. No, we don't watch the regular season, but we love our Marsh Madness. Don't mess with our tournament. And I do think there is kind of that, I mean, you guys can keep looking, but can you not mess with our tournament over here? We really like our March Madness tournament. <laughs> don't don't go getting these guys involved. We don't want to hear about some of these big names. It's going to screw up our March Madness. I don't think there is this big public outcry of get to the bottom of this and figure out what happened. I think we're all kind of like, can you just make this go away? We we don't want to see what's behind that curtain, really. Yeah, no way. It's the American way, and for good, bad, or ugly, uh, it is what we are in, in this country. And, you know, how many... Uh, how many uh, owners of a franchise like the Patriots could get away with uh, what's happening with Robert Kraft? I sure. kind of uh, equate it to what's going on in the NCAA. You know, uh, we are very forgiving when it comes to our sport idols and uh, our, our games that uh, eat up our weekends because, you know, we're, we're fascinated with, with sports. We love our sports and it's part of our culture. And, uh, you know, I think it's probably the same what happens with soccer and, in Europe, please don't tear it apart or tear it down because uh, we all depend on it for our, uh, you know, our pastimes. So, yeah, I, I think there's going to be some, some some things that come out of all this, but I don't see it being a huge scandal like it probably should be. Coach, I'm going to make you the czar of the NCAA today, okay? And I'm going to let you make any changes to the NCAA tournament that you would like to. What would you like to see get changed in this tournament? Would you change anything? Oh, my gosh. Man, it is is such a spectacle that I have followed and loved for so long. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the the last four play-in See. games. 
Uh, I'm not I'm not really on board with that whole concept. Uh, so I might do away with that and just go back to the traditional uh, 60-14 bracket. And, uh, you know, if, if there was some way to maybe make the selection of the 64 best teams actually be the 64 best teams. Yeah. You know, if there was a way to do that fairly, uh, it's kind of like what happens in high school basketball in Colorado where you have a, you know, an RPI system. So it's all computer generated with uh, very complex formulas that go into win-loss percentages and opponents and, you know, on and on and on. And you come up with your best teams through a computer. But I also like the human element and I like the underdogs and I like the little guys getting into the tournament. So I guess if you pin me down, I'd say, no, just leave it the way it is, but maybe do away with the playing games. Coach, I'm looking at some of the toughest conferences that are going to be out there. And a lot of times when you're looking at March Madness, you're kind of trying to make your picks and you're going through and you're saying, hey, I know this conference was stacked. If you're looking at the best conferences in the country, I'm assuming you're looking at the ACC, probably first and foremost, maybe the Big Ten you throw in there a little bit. Who would you pick as the toughest conference? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'd start with the ACC this year. You know, when you have Virginia, North Carolina, Duke, on and on and on. That uh, That is, you know, a conference that I think has lived up to its reputation this year. Big Ten, I think, is really deep. I, I, yeah, you know, when you got, uh, you know, so, someone like an Iowa, who is a Michigan, is, is really good. Michigan State, Maryland's in there. Purdue's Purdue, in there for sure, yeah. Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just go up and down that, that conference, and you got 10 really solid teams easily. So uh, those are the two best conferences. Obviously, the Pac-12 is horrendous. That's probably your weakest uh, conference, painful to say, since we're in Pac-12 territory but they have just been brutal this year pac-12 is so bad you know coach i'm watching the pac-12 and the more i watch them and and one thing that i will throw out there i don't think they have great coaches in that conference right now i think there are a couple of of very good ones but when you're comparing them to the other conferences it's not even close the the coaching right now in the pac-12 is not outstanding that's an interesting point. I've never even looked at it that way, but you're right. I mean, um, when you look at maybe your best coach being, uh, you know, supposedly maybe Dane Altman at, at Oregon. Right. And then the rest of the guys are kind of mid-level, uh, solid coaches, but you really don't have any legendary coaches or Hall of Fame coaches in that conference. And, you know, you actually have some that, well, you look at UCLA and, and USC and, and who their head coaches are and, you have to really even think about uh, should they even be head coaches at those at those colleges and you know Utah I think maybe an underrated coach there yeah. and Chris Stoviak. Chad Boyle obviously is solid but you know um, I wouldn't put him at the at the top level or rung of, of head coaches in in college basketball so you're right yeah they're just uh, yeah there's no marquee names there and just no marquee players either I mean, no it's there's very not. very average yeah. Hey, tomorrow on The Daily Dose, we will be finishing up our conversation with longtime basketball coach Russ McKinstry, and we will be looking at the contenders and pretenders in college hoops. Plus, he even tells us what is the key to winning in a single elimination tournament. Talk about that a lot here on The Dose. When you get in a single elimination tournament and you know you could be gone with just one bad game, it changes your mindset completely. 
He's got some inside information of how a coach should approach these things. Trust me, you will not want to miss it. Hey, I have to say thank you all so much for listening to The Daily Dose every day. Thank you so much for the feedback, for the questions, for the suggestions. And most of all, thank you so much for sharing the show. It is very appreciated. Hey, make sure you stop by Public, pick up some Daily Dose gear you know you need, and get over to ESPN and join our Daily Dose bracket pool. Just click on the tournament challenge and search groups. You will find us there. Come prove to us that you know college hoops. I have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Thursday.